Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Pastor Darrell's been sharing on uh, real life. And sometimes real life can be tough, can be hard. Sometimes people work hard and not smart. And there's a young man that got a job uh, for the highway department, and his job was to paint the stripes down the center of country roads. So the boss sent him out with his brush and his bucket of paint. And the first day he painted five miles. The next day four miles, the third day three miles. The fourth day he was down to two miles. And on Friday he only got one mile painted. So the boss brought him in and said, son, you started out great. The week was awesome. I mean, that was amazing. But you just kept getting worse and worse and I, I'm not sure I understand the problem here. So the young man said, well, well, boss, I'm working just as hard as I can, but the bucket keeps getting farther away. <laughs> that wouldn't be so tragic if I didn't know students like that. How many of you know people like that? Never mind, don't do that. I've entitled this message this morning, The Freedom to be Christian. Romans 8, we're going to start in verse number 28 in just a moment. But how many of you realize that we are living in a very weird time? It seems like the enemy is just going crazy. We have issues of homosexuality, ISIS, uh, Planned Parenthood. We have, there's so many different things that are going on around us and we kind of wonder what in the world is happening to this world. Uh, this would be a good place to leave and go find another place. Hey, I've got good news. We are. We are leaving this planet. I've got, you have your reservation? Do you have your boarding pass? Are you done? Are you ready to go? That's a very important question, and I want to touch on that probably a little bit. But we're still here, though. You know, we're still here. We're not, you know, we can't just make decisions to, you know what, I think I'm going to leave. Uh, we can't do that. That, those, our days are numbered and they're in God's hands and he makes those decisions. However, the Apostle Paul in Romans gives us four very powerful principles that will help us make it and function as powerful Christians in this society in, that we live in, in this day. And these principles are true regardless of what country you live in, regardless of your culture, they are absolute truth. They come from God's word, which is the, this is, this is where real life is. This is real life. What goes on out there is a very sad attempt at real life. It's depressing. It's discouraging. It doesn't, it doesn't lend itself to any kind of hope or encouragement. If you're having a great day, turn on the news. It'll change. If you're loving life, just turn on the news and you'll be depressed in a, in a couple of seconds. The weather will depress you. The reports of the world will depress you. But God has not given us a spirit of depression. Amen? Amen? There are four principles in this passage that are so powerful and so strong, they will help you understand how to do real life. Even if your life is not so hot or great right now, it will still help you. So I encourage you to follow along. Let's begin in verse 28 of Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Number one. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Number two. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Number three. It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us? Wow. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wow. This was written by a man whose life I would not want to emulate in any way, shape, or form. Paul was beat up, misunderstood, almost killed multiple times, chased. Just The guy just had a horrendous life. And yet he was able to write these amazing words. Now let's take a look at these four things. Number one, position. When you were saved, when you accepted Christ, you became a believer. How many of you understand that when you got saved, you did not become perfect? Okay? If you don't believe that, come and see me. I'm going to stomp on your toe, and then you're going to say something, and I'll say, see, you're not perfect, are you? We do not, perfection is not about salvation. Salvation is about becoming a believer. The problem out in the world today is those people are not sinners, they're unbelievers. Because they're unbelievers, they commit acts of sin. They commit things that dishonor God, that disobey God, that, dis, again, are just anti-God. But we take on this new position when we accept Christ. The minute you bow your knee and you, you repent of your sin, you change your mind about what you believe and how you think, and you accept the fact that Christ died for you, he's coming back for you, he rose, to, he rose again from the dead to offer you eternal life. When you believe that, God is now for you. God says, you are now on my team. You are my, on my side. Prior to that, as an unbeliever, God's not for you. He just tolerates you. He puts up with you. He lets the atheists believe and think what they think. Sad, but he does. He lets them do that. And the position that we take up is amazing because our name gets put in the Lamb's Book of Life. God echoes our name across heaven when we've accepted Christ as our Savior. 
he says to the angel, write this name in the Lamb's book of life and your name is mentioned and echoes through the hallways of heaven. That's pretty cool. And now your position is that of a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You can now call him Father. Jesus is your brother. The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings is now your relative. You have this amazing family. And the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. He wants you to, to keep thinking you're the product of your biological family. No, you are not after you get saved. Get a hold of this. Because the enemy keeps playing with your head. Well, you know, I was born in a dysfunctional family. I don't care. How many of you were not born in a dysfunctional family? Doesn't matter. You've been birthed into a new family. You are reborn into the family of God. I have news for you. God is not dysfunctional. Neither is Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is fine too. Amen? I have a new position. When the enemy comes and wants to talk to me, I say, sorry, I'm busy. Talk to my dad. Check with my brother. Holy Spirit, somebody wants to talk to you. Get away from me. Go back to hell where you belong. Don't, don't give him the time of day. Take authority. Understand who you are, your new position. You are a new person in Christ. Brand new. You may still look the same. You have some of this, you'll have some of the same talents. You'll have some of the same personality traits or quirks or whatever. But you have a new position. And when we understand that, it becomes powerful. The enemy gets nervous around people that understand who they are. Amen? Then then Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God's on my side, I'm good. Wow, that's amazing. Number two, provision. Verse 34, I'm sorry, no, back up. He says in, that, in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Provision. Position number one, number two is provision. God will take care of you. But Pastor Fred, I, you know, life's tough. I mean, you know, I don't have enough money. How much is enough money? What do you absolutely need? Think about this. What is it that you absolutely must have to live on planet Earth? Just the must-haves. Air, water, and food. You don't need clothes. Highly recommended, but again... If you take your clothes off, you will not instantly die. Other people might, but you won't. <laughs> A little happy thought there, something to, something to think about over lunch today. Okay? You don't need shelter. There are thousands of people around the world that have no shelter. They, don't, they live out in the whatever, streets, wherever. So that is not essential. Air, food, and water. God provides that to everyone. 
What would happen if God all of a sudden decided, you know what, today only the believers get air? You have people falling all over the place. Oh, I, I thought you were a believer. That's why I am not God, because I would play. I would take days and just have fun, you know, just, it would, it would not be right. It would just be wrong. But God provides that to everyone. Every human being is provided air and water and food, some in greater quantities than others, etc. But again, those are the essentials. But I believe that there is one other essential, and that is relationship. Humans that do not have a relationship with, with, another, with another person will figure some way to create, that, to create a relationship. You remember Tom Hanks' movie, Castaway? You know, he had air and water and food and everything was cool, but he, he, he was by himself and it was driving him nuts. So what did he do? He created a friend out of a volleyball. Wilson. And it was amazing. You know, they'd talk together over the fire, and then he got upset at Wilson, and he threw him out of the cave, and he chased him. Oh, I'm so sorry, Wilson. I didn't mean to do that. I'm so sorry. He's apologizing to a volleyball. What kind of a nutcase is that? But you see, relationship. And how do I know that? Because God said... He created Adam, gave him everything. No shelter and no clothes. But, but food, air, and water. And then he said, it is not good for him to be alone. I need to create a helpmeet. And so relationship was added to the essentials for life. And that's what God provides. So why, you know, how many of you could stay home and, and be a believer in Christ? Well, yeah, duh. I mean, lots of people did today, so that's fine. Um... You don't have to come to church to be a Christian, but you need the des you desperately need the relationship that comes from being part of the believer fellowship, the fellowship of believers. I need I need you. I need you. I am stronger because of you. I'm held accountable because of you. Provision from God is, is an amazing thing. And as I thought about this, I began to realize, do you understand that the marks, what makes you a Christian, what makes you a believer, is not merely your theological understanding, but there's something that happens when a person gets saved. Not only are they transformed spiritually, but they are infused with with a characteristic that God has in ad infinitum, and that is generosity. You can tell if a person is a believer by how generous they are with their time and their money and their talent. That's what makes you a Christian, your generosity. You believe in Christ, that gets worked out. We work out our salvation through our generosity. And I'm not just talking about writing checks. I'm talking about giving of yourself 
to this world. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus went about doing what? He could have kept all of his miracles to himself. He could have just said, hey, disciples, you know, I can do some really cool stuff. Here, watch. And he could have just, you know, when those guys were sitting around a campfire or whatever, just said, hey, watch these miracles I can do. No, he shared that with everyone. And he touched the lives. How am I so convinced of this? Remember the story of Zacchaeus? Little rotten, cheating, lying tax collector. I apologize to the accountants. But this, when Jesus came to his house, what became the identifying fact that Zacchaeus had been transformed by the power of Christ? He turned into a giving machine. He began, his generosity went nuts. He didn't just give back everything he had cheated. He gave back two and three times more. And it was that spirit of Christ that came into him that turned him into this generous machine. An individual that was so impacted by God. You want to see the hand of God function in your life? And I've shared this with you before. If you need something, give something away. If you need it, give something away. And watch God go, oh, I noticed, I saw that. Well, if you're going to start giving stuff away, here, let me give you some more stuff to give away. Let me start flowing some things through you. We have this idea that, you know, we got to, you know, get all you can and can all you get. Well, that doesn't work. That's not part of God's economy. God's committed to giving. Provision, number three, protection. He says in verse 33, 30, hang on, I had to get a bigger Bible. 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What, what is protection? How many of you have been sick since you got saved? Well, where's, what's wrong with you people? How many of you have had financial issues since you got saved? Oh man, what a faithless bunch of people. Good Lord. <laughs> Gee whiz. How many of you had some relationship problems since you got saved? Good night. What a mess. This church is a mess, Pastor Merrill. What a mess. Are you telling me that when you got saved, you didn't immediately get a, you didn't immediately get divine health, you didn't immediately get unlimited finance, and you didn't immediately become a human magnet for wonderful people to just come, be, come from everywhere. That didn't happen to you? Well then, what is God, what's God's protection good for? You know, I, don't ever tell somebody when they get saved that, hey, you will, you'll never be sick, you'll have plenty of money, and people will love you. That's not true. That, there's nothing true about that. That's not real. Real life is about issues. We live in a fallen, messed up world. And perfection comes when we get to heaven. It's not going to happen down here. Don't even, don't worry about that. Don't think, of, don't, you know, it doesn't matter. 
You're going to face issues. You're going to face problems. But in the midst of that, here's what you will always be protected by and with. The love of Christ. You will never, ever be separated from the love of God. You will be covered by that. And as long as you acknowledge that and honor God and worship Him and thank Him and trust Him, you will live in the protection and the power of the love of God. So that when you get a report from the doctor that you really didn't want to hear, you'll be able to say, God, I don't get it, but I trust you. I don't get it, but I trust you. When financial setback comes, yeah, we had a couple of blessings in our life. Air conditioner on my car went out. That's only $900 these days. I should have just gone to the funeral home and got one of those fans. I'd have got that for nothing. But Linda, you know, she, that wasn't going to work. I'm kidding. I've been to the car all the time. I want air conditioning. And then our refrigerator became demon-possessed. Decided it was only going to freeze, it was only going to be cold in the freezer and not in the refrigerator. So I was going to lay hands on it. <laughs> I'm going to lay hands on it and it's going to ComEd. Out. So yeah, you know, those are little extra blessings that we weren't planning on. And I could just say, oh God! Our refrigerator just died! God! What's going on? And God's response would probably be, are you crazy? Are you nuts? There are people with bigger problems than that, and they're still praising me. Shut up! I don't know if God uses the word shut up, but I'm assuming he does. Shut up! Please. Yes. God is anything if he isn't polite. So, God is polite. But you see, the protection of God is not about keeping you away from bad things. Those are going to happen. They happen. They just happen. This is life. But in the midst of that, I can always stand strong and say, God, it really doesn't matter. Your protection is still around me. The love of God, I will not be separated from it. And so the, the best thing that could happen to me is my life ends and I come to heaven early. Or I watch you perform miracles to take care of these issues that are in my life. The bigger the challenge, the greater the miracle. Get, understand that when life comes at you and it's like you just hit a wall... You stand there and you look up and say, God, I am in a position for a miracle. Do your stuff. And I'll just patiently wait for you. That's the key right there. Being patient and understanding. You know, Paul, Paul's life is incredible. Seems like everywhere he went, he's doing God's work. He's preaching and trying to bring people to Christ. And what do they do? They whip him, they beat him, they stone him. It's like... You know, he ends up in prison with Silas. You know, what do they do? You know, they're, they've been beaten. They're in stocks. They're in the middle of the prison. It stinks. It's dark. It's horrible. His response is, 
Hallelujah. We're still, we're in, the, we're in the midst of the love of God. We're surrounded by the love of God. You know, whatever. I mean, you know, so what? God says, hey, watch this, angels. The chains go flying. Doors open up. Not just Paul, everybody in that prison. That's amazing to me. God says, well, you know what? Paul's the only one praising Paul and Silas. But you know what? I'm feeling generous today. I'm going to let them all go free. God's grace. It even covers the unbeliever. That is amazing to me. And God's protection is there. So as you face the challenges of life, understand that it's just an opportunity for you to sense in a greater way the love of God, which you cannot be separated from. You can't. You cannot be separated from it. Paul says it. There's nothing that can do that. Notice the list that he gives us. Shall trouble? Yeah, I had that. Hardship? Yeah, a little bit. Persecute? Yeah. Famine? Not so much. Uh, naked? No. Danger or sword? No, I avoid those. Stay away from that. But then he goes on again, and he does this again. So this must be an important concept. Then he says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels, demons, present, future, powers, height, depth, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is my protection. I am, I am covered no matter what. No matter what. And then finally, he gives us a new purpose. What is my purpose here on this planet once I get saved? What am I supposed to be doing? Well, I'm, I need to work on my perfect attendance pin for church. What? That's not it. What's my purpose? need to make sure I always go to church with my checkbook because God's watching. If I don't give any offering, I could get blasted or whacked or something. No, that's not your purpose. I need to just annoy everybody around me with the fact they're going to hell and I'm not. That's not your purpose. What does Paul say is our purpose becomes when we become a Christian. He says that when we face all these issues of life, he says in verse 37, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. You see, people watch me and you, and they're looking for two things. They want to see how, how we handle success. See, when, th when a blessing comes your way, you know, do you like let everybody know how amazing you are and how awesome you are and, you know, just would you like to touch my, the hem of my garment? Um, you know. Do you become arrogant? and just self-centered and horrible to be around? Or do you give all the glory and all the praise and the honor to the person who probably made it possible for you to have that blessing? 
the Lord. They're watching how you handle success. And does it change you as a person? But even more so, they're watching how you handle crisis. How do you handle bad news? How do you handle difficult circumstances in your life? How do you handle setbacks? How do you handle disease? How do you handle difficulties? You become just a whiny little brat? Oh, those people are just wonderful to be around. I don't know why God does this to me all the time. I try to be a good person, but he's always hurting me. God doesn't love me. God doesn't... Ah! I learned very quickly as a child that for me to come to my mother and whine and complain to her and tell her that she didn't like me and that I hated her, I would be talking like this today and not be able to sit down. My mom just didn't put up with that kind of stuff because it wasn't true. It's not true. The stuff that, things that happen in our lives are just things. They're just stuff. They just happen. They're speed bumps. What do you do with a speed bump? Huh? What do you do with a speed bump? You slow down and then what? Get over it. <laughs> you don't come to a speed bump, stop your car, get out and begin to weep. <laughs> God, it's a speed bump. I don't know how to get over this. What do I do? Get back in the car and step on the gas. Oh, I don't know if I can do that. Just do it. Life is, everything that comes our way is a temporary issue. It's all temporary. It's just a moment in time that you get, get over it. Exercise your faith. Thank God. Rejoice in, your, in his goodness. Understand you're not separated from his love. Get over it and keep going. It's possible. You can do that. How do I do that? I need friends to help me. I need people around me. I need people to help me pray. Ed Alexi, our head usher, got a speed bump in his life. They found some potential cancer in his bladder. He's having it, having it uh, removed and reconstructed. So pray for him. Pray with him. This is a speed bump. He's slowing down. He's going to get over it. He's going to be another miracle in our church. We've got a bunch of them. Rex, Candace, other people that have come through you know, difficult times, difficult situations. Eileen, God bless your heart. Amen. It's been a big speed bump, like a really high one, but you're getting over it. Amen. Our purpose in life is to be more than conquerors. I heard it best described. Remember Muhammad Ali in his heyday when he was fighting and making millions of dollars? He was in the ring, he was doing the fighting, he did all the training and all the exercising, and he, did, you know, he threw the blows and all this kind of stuff. And then they handed him the check, millions of dollars. And his wife would come along and say, I'll take that. 
She took, she got the check, and he did the fighting. That's more than a conqueror. That's cool. Jesus was in the ring. He fought. We acknowledge that this morning. He died on the cross so we wouldn't have to. He has now given us access to everything that he has. That makes us more than conquerors. Understand who we are. Understand that every, every promise, that's an old song, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, and every line, it's all mine. We got it. We can live this life. Amen? We can do this. Not alone, but through, with each other. We need each other. That's why we open the doors on Sundays, to give you opportunity to see each other. And I was watching as, as people were coming in this morning. It was just awesome. Because in some, in some churches, when they open the doors and people come in, it's like, don't talk to anybody. Shh. Here, we're, we almost said, hey, shut up. It's time to start. Sit down. That's awesome. To me, that is awesome. It means you guys actually like each other. That's, that's huge. But I said, you know, I, you know, people are, haven't seen each other for a while, and they're, you know, they're running down the aisle. Hey, it's, it's nice to see you. Other people are going, oh, my God, they're here. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's activity, there's noise, there's life in the church because that's how God intended it. Every time we gather, it's the gathering of the conquerors. It's not, you know, it's not another, you know, wines, whiny wine session without cheese. It's not, that's not what it is. It's not, oh, how you go, how you, oh, it's been awful this week. The devil's been chasing me all week, bless his holy name. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. The poet William Arthur Ward said, I will do more than belong, I will participate. I will do more than care, I will help. I will do more than believe, I will practice. I will do more than be fair, I will be kind. I will do more than forgive, I will forget. I will do more than dream, I will work. I will do more than teach, I will inspire. I will do more than learn, I will enrich. I will do more than give, I will serve. I will do more than live, I will grow. I will do more than suffer, I will triumph. You can't do whatever's easiest and still reach your goal. You must do more. You must do whatever it takes. I got that out of one of our, out of one of our devotionals. I encourage you to read those. Those are, they're amazing. They got some great stuff. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I am so thankful that you are a gracious God. Father, you've given us everything for life. Thank you, Lord, that 
the moment we accepted Christ, we, had, we entered this amazingly new position. We are just, we're just amazing people now because we're believers. We thank, I thank you, God, that your provision is absolutely amazing. You provide very graciously all things. Help us to be generous. Father, thank you for your protection. Thank you, God, that in the midst of every situation, no matter what it is, the love of Christ is there to surround us. Thank you. And finally, Father, thank you for this new purpose in life. We're not, we're not here to survive. It's not about, oh, I just got to make it through another day. No, God, we are conquerors. More than conquerors. Jesus fought the fight, and he's letting us enjoy the cashed check. And so we rejoice in that with you, God. We thank you. We thank you, we thank you. Father, bless my brothers and sisters. I pray they'd be encouraged, inspired, and anointed to live free as Christians and enjoy real life. In Christ's name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Before we leave today,